Paz IM Radio with your co-hosts Robert Brining and Aaron Laxton. We go around the world and across the United States. Join in the conversation by calling in to 929-477-3572. That's 929-477-3572. This week, we have your HIV scoop with Josh Robbins and your positive message from Rise Up to HIV and Kevin Maloney. Your weekly dose of hope. Pause IM Radio. I hope you're ready for season two because it starts now. Well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to this Sunday, December 4th edition of Positive Radio. Aaron Laxton and myself, Robert Brining here. How are you, Aaron? You know, December 4th, geez, you know, this year's just flying by. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. You know, it's it's rainy today here in St. Louis. Um, most listeners may oh, be aware, some may not, that we're in different locations. So here in St. Louis, it's it's kind of rainy, and they say sleet is on the horizon. Oh, it's nice and cold here in Philly, so <laughs> I'll take the nice cold weather over the rainy weather any day. Absolutely. So, so uh, you know, December 1st has, has come and gone so quickly. World AIDS Day has passed us. Um, you know, some amazing things have happened. Um, a lot of stuff on the Internet going on. Our friend Kevin Maloney and Rise Up to HIV did, you know, the, the live um, – uh, changing of the color of the falls up in Niagara Falls when it went to red for World AIDS Day. Um, did you do anything specific for that day? I did. I actually I was asked to speak at um, our local uh, World AIDS Day event. Uh, every year it's hosted at the uh, History Museum here in St. Louis. <clears throat> and so I was able to provide the um, the closing kind of session um, and spoke about you know, where do we go from here in regards to advocacy and activism. Um, and, and so that was a good time just being able to speak with people and, you know, I, I always, World AIDS Day, I think it's different to every person, but as I've gotten older and as I've been living with HIV longer and, you know, now I've actually lost people who, you know, have died as a result of AIDS related illness. And so I have a little bit of context, um, to when we say, you know, we're remembering people and we are thinking of, of kind of where where we have gone and where we're going. So, yeah, that was kind of my reflection on World AIDS Day and, and that, you know, now I've been living with this thing for a little while and I kind of know what it looks like for me. How about you? Well, I worked. <laughs> I always didn't work at 5 a.m. and I worked probably until about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So um, I did sport a red ribbon. I actually forgot my red ribbon on World AIDS Day. Um but one of my coworkers brought one in for us, and she had a big one that was like big enough for like a Christmas present. But we cut it up into individual ones, and me and two other girls wore a ribbon all day at work, and it was kind of nice to see, you know, people that I've been working with for a long time. We're like a family. We've been there for, I mean, I've been there for four years, and they've been there for ten years each, and just for them to show their support for me and you know other people living with the disease and wearing the ribbon all day for me. It was kind of awesome. 
And even the one girl was like, oh, can we wear it for two days? You know what I mean? And I was like, well, you know, you can wear it for as long as you want, but it's, you know, today is the day that, that we, that represents, you know, us remembering those that we have lost and, you know, refocusing our efforts in those activists, refocusing their efforts on what we need to work on in the future. So other than that, I, I kind of laid low and I didn't really do anything. I didn't go to any events. I was kind of, you know, I've been out of the loop and I haven't really gone to any of these events for a while. So I kind of forgot what was, what I was supposed to do. Like it kind of just snuck up and it was the middle of the week and I had work and it was just kind of like, okay, well, you know what I mean? I'll well, do what I can. That's an interesting point because there, I mean, there could have been better turnout. I think I, I'd be interested to hear like Wanda and if any of the callers want to call in. Um, we do take calls. You can call in at one two three four seven seven three five seven two. You can press one to let us know that you want to come on the show. But um, yeah, I mean, it could have been a bigger turnout, and that's one of the things that I I kind of said. You know, we fought for years just so we could have quote unquote that normal life, so that we could have a healthy life and you know, have a work life and and you know have family and and so do we. I feel like some people are, are just, you know, there's a lot of age fatigue and, you know, people fought it for years. And, and that was really my call to action that you know, younger activists have to step up, you know, to borrow from Peter Staley, you know, we stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before us. And so at some point we have to get angry. We have to act up. We have to pick up the mail and move forward um, and, and, I don't know, it's kind of my observation, and, and I, I would suspect that that's probably a trend that's not only here in St. Louis, but probably um, around the United States and around the world. Yes, I agree with you. I think it's important, you know, once we get past doing it all the time, it kind of is, it, it, like you said, we get tired, we get frustrated, and, and sometimes, you what did you call it, fatigue? Yeah, yeah, I think there is age fatigue. I think there's also, you know, a lot of our people who long-term survivors, I'm thinking of, um, you know, that that amazing group Kick-Ass, which is long-term survivors, but, you know, who've been dealing with grief and grieving and loss for three decades. And I can't blame anybody who, if you're a long-term survivor and you don't want to advocate, I don't blame you one bit at all. You know, it's, Everybody does it for their own reasons, and I just think that, you know, a younger generation has to kind of step up and, and do something in some capacity, um, but that's just my two cents. Well, we have actually some upcoming shows where we do have some young, um, new activists coming out there and sharing their story for the first time and, and getting involved in, and they're doing things. And, you know, since I've been gone, I've seen a lot of new faces that, you know, are, these are new, like, that I couldn't imagine being newly diagnosed and then weeks later putting myself out there. I mean, you did that yourself when you, you know, were diagnosed correctly with your My HIV Journey series. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I did. And, you know, it's, uh, it's a mixed bag, right? I'm, I'm happy that it's out there and that there is a risk that people run putting themselves out there. Um, so early and not really processing it for me, it was very cathartic because I was able to, you know, that was my therapy. I was able to be out there, but you know, ultimately I had issues like substance use 
mental health, depression. You know, when we think of the depression, Josh Middleton, uh, I have so much respect for him. He talks in depth about mental health and depression as it pertains to people living with HIV. But yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't trade anything for the path I, I took, but I would definitely counsel a, a newly diagnosed individual, pace yourself, take care of yourself, love yourself, and don't feel like you have to put everything out there for the world. Because this is, this is our story, right? It's, it, it, no one can buy that. No one can, can um, take that away from you. So you don't have to dump it all out there for the world on day one. I think that's true. It's, we all move at our own pace and, you know, it's all individual. And, you know, that's what makes it, you know, I guess, I don't want to say special, but that's what makes it different. Like we all have a different journey, but there's a lot of us who travel the same journey along that path. But we actually have a caller on the line. So let's go ahead and bring area code 310 on the line. Are you there? Hello? Hello, 310, are you there? Oh, it looks like they may have hung up. Okay, so they may have just been listening. So um, let's go back to so, – let's actually move over to the HIV. Go ahead. What were you going to say? So you may not be aware. You know, I'm a, I'm a numbers guy. And, you know, a lot of people – I'm going to toot your horn for a little bit, Robert, because um, you, you typically are one of these activists that don't, don't really like that, and I like to give people credit. So many people won't know, or, or they do know, and, and it's just not something we talk about, but Cause I Am Radio has been a passion project for Robert um, since its inception, and uh, it changed a lot over the years, and that's why I'm so proud to, to be alongside with Robert. But I was checking the, stat, uh, the stats before we came on the air. Do you know how many times Cause I Am has been listened to, downloaded, in some form, way, shape, or form, via iTunes or other uh, media formats? Uh, no, I well, don't. I will tell well, you. Off the top of my head. I will tell you. <laughs> Pause I Am has been listened to, and if we had a drum roll, this is where we'd insert it. Right <laughs> as of today, when we went on the air, 274,878 times. So more than a quarter million uh, listens to, uh, you know, every topic, celebrities, not celebrities, advocates, um, you know, and I, I just, that, the numbers speak for themselves that, um, you know, and that was, I guess that's a good segue into over the weekend uh, or the tail end of the week, we got notification that we were uh, recognized by Healthline. Do you want to talk about that? Um, yeah, actually I saw it because you posted it and I actually like made my day. Um, I guess Healthline puts out a list of activists and this is actually, you know what, actually let's say the scoop because it's actually in the scoop. Uh, this week he, he talks a little bit about it. So let's go ahead and play that and then we'll come back and we'll talk about how we were, uh, recognized this time. So, uh, let's go to the HIA scoop with Josh Robbins. This is your HIV scoop with Josh Robbins, exclusive for Pause I Am Radio. Buzzworthy HIV news in under 90 seconds. Here's Josh Robbins in this week's HIV scoop. 
As you all know, World AIDS Day was December the 1st, and besides it being an incredible experience really to read all the social media messages that day, there was some big news that happened. Miguel Gomez from AIDS.gov made the announcement officially that AIDS.gov is going to make a switch to HIV.gov in an effort to better serve the community. Now, a bit of gossip here. Yours truly scooped everyone on the news of this back in April of this year, and it was largely not given a serious ear, but once again, the HIV Scoop is proud to be one of the leading platforms for breaking HIV-related news nationally. Okay, that was my pat on my own back, so here's a pat on your back. And you were named to Healthline.com's HIV Influencers Honors for this year. Healthline releases this annual list the day after World AIDS Day each year and compiles a list of deserving honorees like yourselves. So congratulations. I'm really proud that you made the list. Finally, maybe the fears that some living with HIV and AIDS proving to be founded because President-elect Donald Trump didn't even acknowledge World AIDS Day on social media. He can tweet about any and all things, but the day that a red ribbon hangs in front of the White House, his new home for the next four years, it doesn't even raise one of the 140 characters that he had available to him, nor did Vice President-elect Mike Pence, nor Kelly Conway. In all fairness, Hillary Clinton skipped it as well, but not Bill. They missed out on an awesome day. I just hope they join us next year. I'm Josh Robbins. This is the HIV Scoop. Oh, God, I want to thank Sox Robbins for that scoop this month or this week. Uh, you know, I, I didn't even go to think about that, that people weren't tweeting about it, these presidential candidates. Um, what are your thoughts on, on – I mean, I'm not surprised that Trump did not mention it, but, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Well, it's interesting. I actually uh, – I gave a presentation this week um, at St. Louis University, um, and it, in it I talked about the Ryan White Care Act. Um, and I actually see that our, our guest from last week, Benjamin DeCosta, was in San Francisco, um, and he tweeted out a picture with him and Jeannie White. I love Jeannie White. Um, I know you and I have both been around her, and she's just a beautiful spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, but in it, I talked about <laughs> Donald Trump has no HIV-AIDS strategy. And, and, and so it's really a much bigger problem. I didn't really realize that he hadn't tweeted either. I kind of ignore for the most part, what he does. But, uh, yeah, I, it's very, it's a very troubling time for, for those of us living with HIV when we have a president coming in, president-elect, who doesn't even bother having a strategy. Yeah, we have our national HIV strategy, national HIV AIDS strategy, but, um, you know, where do we go from there? Is it just going to be ripped up? Is it going to be tossed out the window? Because Ryan White Care, many people living with HIV get their care now through that. Um, and, and so if that's repealed, what's that going to look like for people living with HIV um, and AIDS? And I'm not sure. But yeah, and I, to, and I was going to say people have actually contacted me on Instagram and, and Twitter about the Affordable Care Act possibly going away under Obamacare and, you know, Trump's administration and you know, what they should do. And, the only thing I, I can tell them is just to like wait and see what happens. And if they do repeal, maybe they replace it with something better. Who knows? But I, you never know. I just hope that they don't get rid of it because it's something that I use. You know, I receive my my um, medications through ADAP or SBBP here in, in Pennsylvania. You know, I use Ryan White for my dental services. I'm having oral surgery next week, and you know what I mean. 
because of Ryan White and the Affordable Care Act, I'm able to do that. So for that to go away, that would take away so many opportunities for people, you know, living with HIV to get the the health and and the service and the care that they need. So um, I don't, you know what I mean? It's it's an important topic, and and the thing that we were talking about earlier was Healthline and their HIV influencers. There's a lot of great people they've mentioned on that list. Uh, I believe Josh Middleton was actually one of them, and our friend Maria Mejia, and what we were actually recognized for was the best uh, HIV uh, podcast radio show. So I just want to thank Healthline.com for that. I was shocked. Yeah, and it, and Kevin Maloney over at uh, Rise Up HIV was on there. I, I think that, you know, we we love being able to work together and interface. You know, on this one show alone, um, people are going to hear from people living with HIV you're going to be able to hear the HIV scoop, a special pause I am edition. And then each and every week we bring you uh, the positive message from, uh, you know, rise up to HIV's um, uh, campaign that Kevin is running. Um, and so it really, we, we hope it is people's weekly do- dose of hope where you can just kind of, you're hearing from people who are living with HIV to, to echo something you said earlier. Um, you know, I've been listening to and watching a lot of, of what Peter Staley puts out, um, and 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 JD from over at the Body um, and other powerhouse uh, advocates. We have to act up, and I suspect that we're going to hear that from Wanda um, because Wanda has been acting up for years. I mean, she is someone I look up to in the the, the highest sense for the work that she does for low income individuals for the work that she does for people living with HIV. She she is not afraid um, of rocking the boat. I mean, hell, she flips the boat over. And <laughs> But I, we, we have to act up, right? Not just about HIV. Our society's most marginalized citizens are at risk now. And, and so we have to stand up and stand against bigotry, xenophobia, misogyny and all these other ideologies. Um, and, and so act up, act up, act up. It's not dead. It's alive and well. Let's do it. Totally. So as we uh, were just mentioning, uh, let's go ahead and bring Wanda on. I see her here on, on the line. So uh, Wanda Brendel Moss, welcome to the show. How are you, honey? <laughs> act up, fight back. And <laughs> I'm just saying. You know it. <laughs> Aaron, you had me in tears. Well, you know, it, I, I mean it. I, I, you know, the last time that we were around each other uh, was at the HIV is not a crime conference uh, in, in Grinnell, and it was the first time a convening had had been drawn uh, for advocates um, seeking to modernize. HIV criminal law. Right. And what I know, what I know to be true about Wanda, if you don't know Wanda, she <laughs> is the most feisty activist you're going to find. And she was there. She doesn't just go to conferences. She puts her time and energy into working them. And, and so that's what I know about Wanda is that she puts her money where her mouth is and she works tirelessly I can't say enough good things about you, Ms. Wanda. I, I just have I love and respect you so much. Thank you. And the ironic thing is that I don't really have money. Um, all these places that you've seen me, that I've been, you know, whatever, 
Um, I I go on scholarships. I go on faith. I go on trust. Um, So that's one thing that I hope that people can understand is don't let your circumstances stop your voice ever. Yes, there's tons of opportunity to go. I'm sorry, Aaron. I just wanted to say that, 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 you know, Wanda, I remember meeting you for the first time at the International AIDS Conference mm-hmm. down in uh, D.C., and I, I'm That's sure right. Aaron was with me. And he I remember was. walking in, and you, were, and you were doing your work. You were volunteering there, and you yes. had your dad the AIDS there, and you gave me the biggest hug. It made me feel so much like your family and it was just amazing and I, I never got to say thank you for that because it was the first time we were meeting and you and it felt like we knew each other forever and you know what I mean absolutely. like that's the type of person the type of energy that you have when you meet someone absolutely um you guys found me in that humongous space at <laughs> <laughs> that because I was relatively new um I've been positive since 2002 um was very quiet because of job restrictions. Um, really didn't come out really strong in advocacy until I became homeless in 2009 at the end of my last relationship. Although that sounds like a sad thing, it wound up being the greatest thing that ever happened to me. But my advocacy started growing uh, in 2010. I got a little netbook donated to me, started coming online, started friending people. And I know that people's eyebrow, uh, you know, eyebrows raised or whatever, you know, who is this woman? Where is she coming from? I had been a woman that I'm 62, and I grew up not having any self-confidence at all, being told that anything that I said was unworthy. The last thing that my last relationship said to me, and he was not positive, but the last thing that he said to me as he pulled, out, pulled away was that I never, ever make a make a difference in the world of HIV. All I can say is, can you see me now? Right, right. So, so Wanda, take us back to the beginning. What made you get tested? And tell us about what it felt like when you were diagnosed. Um, my last, I, I'm one that believes in love, despite I'm be, I am single now. I've been married three times, and I've had three serious relationships. At the end of my third marriage in 1999, um, I'm not long, in early 2000, I met a gentleman who I thought was going to be my white knight in shining armor, blah, blah, blah. Um, In the beginning, the relationship was okay. It wasn't great, but it was okay. But towards the end of it, in the latter part of 2000, um, um, late 2001, early 2002, things took a really deadly turn. Uh, it got extremely violent. Um, I mean, I'm not going to denigrate him as far as his personality or anything like that, but it wound up with my son having to come and rescue me from that relationship. Uh, my Violence begets violence sometimes, and I don't advocate violence, but let me say that my son defended his mother. Um, I went into a battered women's shelter. And one of the things that you focus on there is learning um, to love yourself. Um, so I went through a, a upward peak of doing that. And I had been sick for several months during the end of that relationship, lost weight, blah, blah, blah. 
Well, as some of you know, I was a registered nurse for 20 years. I started my nurse. I've been through, I may not be a long-term survivor per se of AIDS, but I started my nursing career in 1981. So I've been there since the beginning. Where I was, many of the nurses refused to go in and take care of the people that were dying of AIDS. That was not me. I never, ever refused. So it was ironic that 20 years later, here I am, I've lost weight, I'm a white woman, not talked about as being at risk for contracting HIV. So I go to my doctor, no, I go to a walk-in clinic. My experience was different than a lot of people. He does all the things, you know, loosens my throat, loosens my chest, all this other stuff. We talked, um, talk about my weight loss, et cetera. And finally, when all else fails, he comes in and puts his hand on my knee, and he says, Wanda, let's do a test. And he's looking me straight in the eyes. He was so kind and so good that in that moment, I knew, even before the blood was drawn, that I was going to become HIV positive. And yet, indeed, he called me, he personally, on his day off, called me personally about three days later, and said, Wanda, we need you to come into the clinic. And I said, I know that you're not supposed to give us the results over the phone. I said, but remember, I'm an RN. So I know by you asking me to come in, I know what you're telling me. And I went into total silence for about three days. And I went into the doctor. He was he came in again on his day off. He had a social worker in the room with him, and he sits down and he he confirms that indeed um, I was gifted with HIV, and they had me sign a contract that I would not do any harm to myself. And I think if not for that, and if not for his compassion, perhaps I would have. Because the one that y'all see today, happy, bubbly, blah blah blah. As many I mean, that's a that's a journey. That's a journey. I was really deep and dark for a while. And I had to fight to come up out of that because I have two children. I have, um, at that time, two grandchildren. And within a week, no, excuse me, two weeks of my diagnosis, because my son was living um, about two hours away, I had to wait until he could schedule a time to come up here because I wanted to tell them together. So my son and my daughter came to my apartment. They sit on the couch, and they look at their mother, and their mother tells them they're HIV positive. They stood up and hugged me. They never judged me. They didn't ask how, who, what, when, or why. So, Mom, we love you. And that's the way it's been. I'm very lucky. So that was the beginning. Wow, that's that is, uh, yeah, that, that's amazing. You know, I think it just goes to, for me, um, it goes to show me how strong you are, uh, because I think it is. If people don't know you, uh, they will have thought that you were always this really, you know, bubbly. No problems, kind of person, and, and because if, if people see you, that's the, the spirit that you you put out there to the universe. That you know mm-hmm. what, as long as I'm here, I've got something. As long as I've, uh, you know, I I may not have much, but what I have, 
this is what I know to be true about you, that you give your shirt off your back for another person. Um, yes. Some people may not be aware, um, and and I said this, I spoke at a World AIDS uh, Day event here, um, not much of the work, uh, the heavy lifting that is being done today in the HIV and AIDS movement, including modernization of HIV law, is being done by positive women. Can you speak um, about that? Because I know that you're really involved with the Positive Women's Network and kind of, you know, just speak a little bit about that work and and what it means to be a positive woman um, in the United States uh, today. Um, It's ironic. I met them leading up. Well, Cyber met them leading up to International Conference on AIDS in 2012 in Washington, D.C. And I knew that I'd found my home with them. Um, I came to D.C. at the encouragement of another HIV-positive woman who turned out not to be someone that you want to emulate. Um, She kind of took me there under false because I have no money, none, not a zip. So I go with her on the premises that everything's taken care of, et cetera, et cetera. So we get up there, and my God, it was the biggest shyster in my life that I've ever met. Those are the kind of people that give our work so much difficulty. But out of that negativity came the greatest positivity of my life. I met my sisters of Positive Women's Network, uh, Nana, Debbie, um, Barb Cardell, Waheed Shabazz, um, Mary Bowman, um, Nancy Duncan, Susan Mall, uh, Tammy Hawk, uh, Sarah Project, um, all of them who are my true sisters who would fight to the death for each other. Um, because from the very beginning, I've said this, from 1981 on, when it was all focused on being a gay men's disease, Here's what I know of life, of sex. Man has a sexually transmitted disease. Somewhere there's a woman that has one. It might not be talked about. It may not be whatever. But we're here. And we're being impacted by it. Uh, There's less funding for women, uh, particularly Caucasian women. And I I am not prejudiced one iota. That is just a fact. Um, but we are affected, we are infected, but we are living, we are thriving, we are surviving, and we are leading. And we're reminded we are demanding our seat at the table how, whether it be HIV, whether it be cancer, whether it be heart disease or whatever, things impact people differently. From sexes to races to cultures, we're impacted differently. So if we don't come to the table and tell our truth and and say what about us, nobody else is going to do it. I love Positive Women's Network. So so let me ask you this, Wanda. The, the, the big question that you know a lot of people have been asking is, I know you talked about how you told your children um, did you have one, did you have the conversation with your grandchildren? And if you did, how did you have that conversation? My daughter is also a very strong woman. 
I love, uh, my daughter's name is Bambi. My son's name is Andy. Um, well, Bambi at that time, um, my grandchildren, anyway, she waited until my grandson was about seven and my granddaughter was about six. They're 17 and 15 now. Um, and, and she chose to tell them herself in her own way, and that is her right. Um, so they have known from that time on about four years ago. I always spend Christmas holidays there. Um, my son lives just in the, I live in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. My son lives in South Carolina, and I don't have transportation, so I don't get to see him that often, and he works like crazy. So every holiday, I typically am at my daughter's. Well, at different times, about four years ago, I'm sitting there, and my downtime is I watch shows on my computer or whatever. So I'm sitting there watching my show or whatever, and my grandson comes to me. And he sits down and puts his head on my shoulder. And they all call me Grammy. And they said, Grammy, he said, Grammy. Because this was, in 2008, we had a scare. I had gone through the end of the relationship, stopped taking my meds. I wound up in the hospital with trigeminal shingles. Uh, see, uh, my viral load had gone out. My CD4 had gone way down. Woke up with my daughter at my bedside looking at me with tears rolling down her eyes. And she thought I was going to die, which I could have. Woke me up. I never, ever will let anyone push me to the point of being so depressed. I don't take care of me again. So that was a valuable lesson, but I digress. Mm -hmm. So the grands had known that their mom had come to the hospital to see Grammy. But they, they molded over, because my grandchildren have been through a lot in their short lives already. So Gabriel comes to me, lays his head on my shoulder, and he says, Grammy, I'm so glad you didn't die. I start boohooing. Well, about right. two hours. I know, right? I mean, these are kids that have been through so much. If if you knew my grandchildren and what they've been through. But anyway, so Laura comes to me, and Laura is named after my mother and, and my youngest baby cousin. And Laura comes to me, and she's a beautiful young lady. And and she looks at me in the eyes, because we're standing at that moment. I can't remember. We're in the living room doing something. And she comes up and she puts her arms around me and she says, Grammy, I'm so glad you didn't die. Both of them, same words. Wow. And I lost it. So they have known forever uh, when the aid service organization that I've credited with saving my life, which I kind of have concerns about right now, but when we resumed having pride parades here in Winston-Salem, um, I think in 20, anyway, I'm not going to go with dates. I'm, I'm struggling with dates right now. That is one of my byproducts. But our first year, we were going to do a float. Well, there were a lot of clients that said, oh, yeah, we'll be there, blah, blah, blah. Well, who turns up? Me. But what was so wonderful was, even though my daughter didn't have transportation, blah, 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 they rode the bus. To get into town, her, Gabe, and Laura, and they they got all this pride for Grammy, and you know we're we're you know just chit chatting or whatever. So it comes time to you know we got to man the float and everything, <laughs> and the then president, the vice president, what are we gonna do? There's nobody here. So I go over and I said, Bambi, 
I said, y'all want to get on the road? So here we are riding down the center of Winston-Salem doing our Princess Dialways, my daughter and my two grand, eldest grandchildren, riding on the floats, representing. <laughs> they have no shame about their grandmother being positive. They talk about it openly in their church. They talk about my grandson at 17. Um, you know, he, he reminds his friends, you know, you you got to be careful. You know, sex is no joke. Um, awesome. Truth is powerful. And truth truly, I mean, it sounds corny, but truth really does set you free. Hiding it will kill you. Hiding that you're living with uh, whatever, mental illness, um, cancer, or whatever, it will kill you faster than what your your um, illness is. I highly recommend the truth. <laughs> that is definitely true. We were talking about that at World AIDS Day. That you know, a lot of people like mm-hmm. to say that that AIDS is no longer a death sentence in HIV, <laughs> and I agree with that. I agree with that. However, didn't, I think there's a there's a caveat to that. That this year, I lost one of my YouTube uh, uh, viewers. His name was Mason. He was a young 20-year-old um, young man who, for a variety of reasons, wasn't compliant to medications. And I think, you know, some people would hear that and say, oh, my God, he didn't take his medicines. That's the dumbest thing ever. Well, I, I, nothing's that clear-cut, right? So whether you're dealing with the disease of addiction, whether you're dealing with housing instability, whether you're, whatever you're dealing with, if you don't take your medications and you don't have access to medications, um, HIV is still the same HIV that it was three decades ago. Like nothing's changed about HIV itself. So if, if we don't have access to medications, it's the same outlook as it was in the early days. Absolutely. Miss um, Wanda, can we have you hang on? We're gonna we're gonna play one of the positive messages from over at Rise Up, and then we're gonna come right back to you. Okay? Yes, please. All right. One second. Hello, everyone. My name is Alicia. Some call me Lovely or Healed Me. In 2001, I was diagnosed HIV positive. And you know, I had an option. Allow that diagnosis to overtake my life or I overtake HIV. And that is exactly what I did. I took a stand. I took a stand to know that I am healed, that I am prosperous, that I am a beautiful and loving person, and I deserve to be loved. HIV does not define me. I define HIV. I'm happy, I'm inspirational, and I am vibrant. I love myself. And I encourage you that if you received any diagnosis, If you received any terrible news, take a stand, know who you are, and continue on your path to greatness. I encourage you to stay happy. I love that so much. Yeah, positive message. Uh, I would just encourage you, if you're out there and you haven't participated, um, check out Rise Up to HIV on uh, YouTube, uh, not YouTube, but Facebook, and also Twitter, Uh, you know, People are recording a minute, two-minute message, sending it over, and and we've heard messages from around the world. So I guess, Ms. Wanda, as we talk to you, I always like to speak to that person who is newly diagnosed, but maybe it's a person who has been diagnosed for a while, and maybe they want to get involved in activism, 
but they just they're kind of intimidated by it and they and they don't really feel like their voices can add anything to to the movement what would you say to that person and how could people get involved first let me tell you how ironic it is that you chose to play that message um alicia and i live in neighboring cities here in north carolina and oh, wow. i know right and um <laughs> some of you know that i became part of adap advocacy association i, I was a sole north carolinian that went there in 2013 and I was challenged by Brandon Maxada, the CEO, to start bringing more North Carolinians. And Alicia went with me to uh, ADAP conference twice. So, ironic. I just had to throw that out there. Okay, here's what I tell people. Um, because as you were talking early on, Aaron, we each have our pace that we go at in this virus. Uh, it's kind of like the five stages of grief, somewhat, uh, because number one, you're stunned, you're it's kind of like a deer caught in headlights or whatever. Then you, some of us get pissed off. Some of us never progress past that pissed off. We want to blame everybody and their brother. That's where our criminal criminalization statutes come from. Almost every person that's in prison because of HIV comes at the end of a relationship that didn't in the way they wanted it to. Um, I mean, I could have locked up the guy that gave it to me, but, you know, what What would that benefit me? I had to let that go. Otherwise, that keeps me in bondage. Once you get past that, then you start accepting. And, that, and some people just stay right there. They're just happy, just living, because even though they may not speak, be speaking it, living every day is leading by example. Excuse me, which is powerful. Uh, somebody made a remark. Rob, you said something about uh, you didn't do anything for World AIDS Day. You're thriving. Mm -hmm. You did something. <laughs> a, a friend sure. in, in New York, Eddie, said, I didn't do anything. I'm depressed. Baby, you're living. You're above ground. You did something. But you're right, Aaron. Many people are not ready. You are one of the rare exceptions. Josh Middleton. Um, that were started talking almost as soon as they were diagnosed. Many people cannot do that. Many people have to get more comfortable in their own skin. They have to come to terms and, <laughs> number one, be open about their diagnosis. Many people right here in my city at the ASO that I used to go to, have a lady that's been positive probably about 18 years. No, maybe not quite that long. Her kids don't even know. Still, to this day, she will not take any papers on that have the word HIV or AIDS on it. Not a zip. So when I bring swag back from conferences, there's never anything I can give her because she won't. She doesn't want it in her house. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting a call. But I say, let you, everybody has something to share. Everybody. So lift your voice up in whatever means that it may be, whether you go to your Sunday school class, whether you go to a college campus, and I triple them out when I go to, I go to Winston-Salem State University here, and Winston-Salem a lot, and talk, and they trip out, so there'd be a silver-haired woman sitting up on the desk, rocking her feet, talking about being on Twitter, <laughs> talking about getting a freak <laughs> on and all this other stuff. I'm, look, y'all know me, but <laughs> I didn't get to be a young person. I didn't get to be free 
until I became homeless, until I allowed Wanda to come up out of the box and stop listening to other people tell me that I didn't have anything important to say. So, You're exactly right. I, say, um, I, totally, I totally agree with you, Wanda. Everybody has a story and, and you know, has something to share that can help another individual. Um, one of the... Oh, God, I just totally lost my question. One of the things that I... Um, was noticing is over the recent months, I've noticed you've been popping up in a lot of different magazines. So I want to know, and I want to know what your feelings are about that because you've become a little celebrity all of a sudden. I, I go to my doctor's office and open up my pause magazine and there you are, you know, smiling back at me or, or, you know, how, how's it feel? Hey, you. Yeah. It's wherever very... you've been, how's it feel? Number one, when I was asked, um, Carol Needle sent out a first from A&U. Uh, then Oriel Gutierrez had um, someone contact me from Paz. And I know, you know, everybody competes or whatever, but to me, we all have a similar message. And, you know, I know everybody's competing for market or whatever. Number one, the fact that I was asked, I was dumbfounded. Truly dumb. I mean, I'm just Wanda. I am just playing one. I'm not Maria Mejia, who I love dearly, but has got one of the largest followings, and I am so humbled and honored to call her sister. I blog for the World Project, not like I should. I don't do it as often as I should. Uh, but they still love me. They sought me out because I'm like there's the most uh, seasoned. I don't use the OLD word. I call it seasoned. <laughs> I'm the most seasoned. Season positive woman. It's it's amazing. But if my story impacts anybody or encourages anybody, and there's only so much we can put in the article, and some of it wasn't exactly right, but that's okay. Encourages anybody that someone that looks like me with the silver hair, who's been homeless who's been battered to the point of crawling across the floor and their face looking like hamburger meat, um, to, you know, living in poverty, but I'm still staring and looking at you with a smile. And like you said, I will give you the shirt off my back. Then well done. Because it is not about wanting to bring them on. It might be my name, it might be my face, but what you don't see, when I accepted the Emerging Leader Award at ADAP Advocacy during my thank you, I stood facing an audience and they kind of wondered when I turned and looked around behind my back. I said, that's what I want you to see, the hundreds of people behind me that can't as yet find their voice. I hope I'm that voice. That's truly amazing. Great, Muslim, Christian, I don't care. I want to provide your voice. And I respect everybody, period. Well, that's awesome. Well, it looks I like think we, we have, have a call. Let's go to... <laughs> that's funny, Aaron. <laughs> so Jinx. let's go ahead and take that caller here. <laughs> 407, you're on the air. Who's this? 
Hello, 407, you're on the air. Who's this? Okay, so if you're on hold and you... Yeah, if you're on hold and want to talk to us, press the one button so we get a signal that you would like to speak to us or Wanda. And again, those phone numbers are 929-477-3572. So, uh, you know, Wanda, you were talking about the ADAT Advocacy Association and and, mm-hmm. and Brandon Moxada, and, you know, he's a good friend of the show, and, uh, you know, I consider like a big brother. He's really been supportive mm-hmm. with me and the show, and, you know, I was a board member for them for quite a while in the beginning of, you know, my mm-hmm. activism and to see you kind of take over that spot as the, the positive individual, it's kind of amazing. And, and it makes me feel good to see somebody so vibrant and so loving and caring, putting themselves out there and, and just living your life and, you know, just claiming who you are. It has dumbfounded me truly. Um, he looked right at me in 2013, and I was still kind of a baby advocate then. Um, and he looked right at me in front of God and everybody and said, I challenge you to bring X number of people next year. I didn't quite meet the quota, but he still praised me. This year, when we were at the conference, we took, I think there were eight of us, but North Carolina was very well represented in the room. North Carolina is a state, we kind of already have a little bit of taste of what it will be like under a Trump presidency because we have been under a uh, Governor McCrory sad leadership for the past few years. I've been a part of the Mole Money Movement. I'm very proud and humble to say that I can count Reverend William J. Barber II, the president of North Carolina NAACP, as friend, who also says that ministers are allowing people to sit in the pews week after week after week, whether they're gay or straight or whatever, suffering in silence because they can't come to their pastors and tell them that they're that they're living with HIV. He said that's not what Jesus would have us do. So I dearly love that man, but um. They've been awarded a grassroots movement from ADAP Advocacy. Um, I won the Emerging Leader. Um, my best friend, Rivka Metter, um, won it last year, Emerging Leader. Uh, this year, North Carolina AIDS Action Network uh, was honored for the legislative <laughs> prowess. So hopefully we're bringing North Carolina out of the dark ages. And some people say I've gone to the dark side because I've now taken on a new position. Um, and I don't talk about it a lot because uh, many people don't care for AIDS Healthcare Foundation. Um, but they help support some of the advocacy that I do here in North Carolina. Um, so, yes, so let me ask you this. Okay. Let, let, me, let me just ask you really Okay. I lost you. Yeah, I think we're having a little dif- difficulty with his phone. If people want to get a no, hold of you, Miss Wanda. Oh, are you there? Okay, you want to on us for a second. No, I'm sorry. It's I think my devil. plug came out of my headphones. <laughs> no, I just wanted to ask you. You got excited. Um, yeah, yeah. I wanted to ask you, how real quickly, how is the ADAP situation in the United States right now? Is there any waiting list going on, or, or how is that situation 
Fortunately, right now, from my knowledge, the last report that we had, there are no waiting lists. Um, also, um, we have a wonderful tool, and I'm not just meaning to keep their horn, but I like tools um, for people from state to state to find out what is available in their state. Uh, they can go to adap.directory, A-D-A-P dot D-I-R-E-C-T-O-R-Y. Uh, it's a new venture. We introduced it two years ago from ADAP Advocacy Association. But you can look at state by state um, what services are available in your state. Um, they also have state by state uh, listing of your formularies. Because uh, not all meds are covered, by, and each state is different on what they do and don't cover. So it's a powerful tool for us. Ourselves, or for our loved ones who want to make sure that we're getting the care that we need, we well, are awesome, our Wanda. own Real best advocates. That is true. Real quick, Wanda, where can people uh, contact you? Where can they find you to uh, to reach out to you and, and connect with you? Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Uh, my granddaughter told me one time. She said, "Grammy, do you know if you go to Google and put your name in, there's like six pages of you?" Um, my email. <laughs> Well, it's true. Uh, you're you're free awesome. to share my email. You're free to share my email, which is my name, Wanda Brindle Moss at gmail dot com. Um, they can reach out to even if they don't want to friend me on Facebook. Um, they can message me. I'm on Instagram. Um, pretty much anywhere they can find me, or they know somebody so that knows me. You're a Grammy all over social media. That would be true. <laughs> well, Wanda, thank you so much for sitting with us this hour and sharing your story and being such a courageous, seasoned young woman. Oh, thank you. But, I mean, in all honesty, it's not about me. Um, I know you and you and Aaron both. It's not about you. You have not done this to raise your star. This is about all of us, every one of us. Um, so I'm very honored. I tell people I'm so humbled that you asked me to be on it. And I say, yay, I'm glad Papa I is back. <laughs> well, I'm glad to be back, and we are so glad to finally have you chat with us. We love you much at the show and wish you much luck going forward. Well, if you ever need me, uh, any of your guests ever need me in the future, you know how to reach me. Uh, hook us up. We'll, 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 if it. I don't know the answer, I'll find it. Love you guys. Love you, too. She's awesome. So, again, you can find her Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Wanda Brendel Moss. She's very easy to find. Aaron, what a what a big ball of joy she is. I always love talking with her. She is energy for days. And, uh, you know, if you are out there and, and you want to know who's making things happen, Miss Wanda's one of them. That's right. That's right. So we have a few uh, announcements coming up for the rest of the shows for the rest of this month. I just wanted to mention real quick uh, next month uh, or next month. Listen to me. Next week, we will be speaking to uh, Derek Canis, who is a HIV positive DJ who will be spinning stigma for years. Uh, he goes by the name of uh, D-Rec. And then December 8th, we'll be speaking with our friend James Brennick, Philadelphia native, a friend of mine personally coming on to uh, give us an update about uh, what he's doing to tear down the walls of stigma. I love James a lot. He's a great friend of mine, so I'm excited to have him on. 
Um, we have a great lineup coming up for the new year, so stay posted to our website, uh, pauseironradio.com. You can find our, our monthly dose of hope every month posted there. Aaron, people can find you all over the place, right? Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Aaron Matthew Laxton, right? Yeah, just throw a rock at the computer and you'll probably hit me. Uh, Aaron right. Laxton across all <laughs> social media formats. Um, yeah, that's the best way to get a hold of me. Yeah, and then they can follow the show at Pause I Am Radio. Um, I want to play one of our another uh, Rise Up to HIV positive message. Um, is there one particular you wanted to play? You know, I, I like them all. Okay, well then let's go with Eeny Meeny Miny Mo. Uh, we'll just pick another female since we had Wanda on and then just played Alicia. So let's go with. I don't have any issues with having HIV because I've accepted it. And I know no matter what, everything's going to be okay. I have two options choose to be sad about it or be proactive and positive. I'd rather be happy. So I educate myself, which creates confidence. And I understand why other people make jokes or may hate it. It's because they don't understand it. So they are scared, which is a natural human reaction. So therefore, I don't take it personal. I educate them to help them feel comfortable. I stay calm and normal because my energy will be their energy. I don't care about what people think. I know the truth about HIV and I'm okay with that. What others say does not affect my life. I have a choice to allow that energy in or not. That's theirs to keep, not mine. I know I will live. I know I can have kids without them contracting. I know I can be in a relationship and have all the sex I want. What more can I ask for? I may have less energy some days. I take meds every day. I go to the doctors every six months for a checkup on my health. That's not so bad to me. We got to just accept what is, enjoy life day to day, and let the rest go. This is why I don't worry. My medicine is just a daily routine. It's not an HIV reminder. I choose to live a normal life. I mean, my life is normal. I just have a manageable virus that I take meds for. That's all. Thank you for joining us for Paz IM. You can listen to us each and every Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as we bring you your weekly dose of hope. Join in the conversation on social media, Pause I Am Radio, and at Aaron Laxton. And while you're on there, check out I'm Still Josh as he brings the HIV scoop of the week. Also, if you've not checked out the positive message campaign from Rise Up to HIV, be sure to do so. For all of you who contribute and make this show possible, thank you so very much. If you think you have a story that needs to be covered or you would like to come on air and talk to Robert and myself, please let us know. We want to bring content that you need and that you want. Be sure to download this episode on iTunes and past episodes. We'd love to hear your feedback. From all of us over here at Paz IM Radio, from Robert Brining and myself, have a safe and healthy week. And until we speak again, stay positive.